Hi there, welcome to the Freudcast. I'm Matt Barbet. AB InBev is the world's leading brewer with 500 famous brands like Stella Artois and Budweiser under its banner. It believes in the power of bringing people together. During the pandemic, though, global lockdowns meant that mission wasn't so easy. So the company got creative, launching initiatives that brought people together online, whilst also supporting local communities, pubs and restaurants during the difficult times. For this episode of The Freudcast, I spoke to Elaine McCrimmon, AB InBev's Global Head of Reputation and External Engagement, and the host of their own podcast, Talking on Tap. Elaine started her career as a chemist working in whisky in Scotland before heading off around the world. We discussed what the last 18 months have been like, what the future looks like for the world's leading brewer, and of course, a love of beer. Matt, right now I'm in Manhattan, very close to Grand Central for those that are listening, um, between 47 and Park. So at our New York office, it is absolutely fabulous to actually be in the office. I know so many people around the world right now are working from home. And, and you know, dare I say it, a few years ago, did we not realize like how much of a luxury coming into the office is? But, you know, we are doing that about 50% of the time every sort of second day. Um, so it's great to be able to not just be in the office, but as you can tell by my accent, being Scottish, the actual being in New York is an absolute dream, right? To be living in uh, in New York and, and working here in Manhattan. Yeah, long way from Scotland. We'll talk it about the journey. We'll talk about the journey from Scotland and via Switzerland and over to the US as well. But you touched there, Elaine, on the sort of one of the big issues of our times at the moment, really, which is the sort of the work-life balance, where people are going to work from in the future. The pandemic meant a lot of people who could would work from home because they had to. But now, as things are changing, certainly at the time of recording, there's a lot of questions being asked about when people go back in, how much they go back in, places like Google are postponing when everybody goes back in others saying that people have to be vaccinated before they can come back into the office um it's a big it's a big conundrum really um what's your sort of point of view on striking that that balance yeah and it's a great question matt and i think one of the things you've got to bear in mind especially with our business and predominantly a lot of our operations they've been always back you know we're predominantly brewing beer and and delivering and and getting beer to our customers and consumers Um, but it's very different from a a kind of an office environment especially again uh, we're at very different places in different parts of the world I guess you know more so thinking about my own role and my own kind of uh, work ethos I think one of the things that I've really missed and I know many of us have is that travel and the ability to travel and I'm sure as you did in the past is you can actually work from anywhere and even when we were back in the office we were working remotely whether it be you know from an airplane a taxi an airport a cafe um, but actually being able to still achieve what we have um, with that full remote working from from so many different parts of the business and you know really being able to first of all keep our employees safe um, who's 
are specifically working in our operations, um, but also being able to help as well across the communities. But I think, you know, it's being able to have that pivot and being able to have that flexibility and, and really being able to be as productive. And, and certainly in many cases, some people even talk about being much more productive um, and working in different settings. So, yeah, I think... There's a lot to be said for how things will change um, in the next, certainly in the next 12 months, but I think even longer term as well. But and in terms of our office, we are a little bit more of an in-office culture. Um, you know, we talk about bringing people together and even just being in the office now and seeing people who I haven't been on Zoom calls or Teams calls with. And these are people that we haven't seen for a long time, but you just recognize how much innovation and collaboration can really take place, whether it be, you know, at our company bar or at the water cooler. It's definitely more fun having a beer with people in person than over a Zoom call. <laughs> that's, the, that's the first thing to say. That makes, that makes life much more fun. Um, as you say, you're in New York now. We're just talking about traveling there. And, and for those people who sort of want to explore the planet a bit, it's been a frustrating time because you've had to sit still. Are you one of those people? Because you've, you, I know you've traveled extensively and you've lived in different places too. Yeah, I I have to say I, I do really miss not being with the teams in the markets. Uh, but we have been able to, you know, connect with them via all the different this different software. But there's nothing quite like, you know, meeting especially the external stakeholders where it's at events. I think one of the things that the Freud's team has been great at actually is the goals house and actually still being able to collaborate in a very different setting um, but looking forward to being able to do that in person actually during uh, UNGA in September. Yeah absolutely so let's go back to the beginning Elaine definitely Scottish haven't lost the accent still there no American twang glad to hear um, tell us how the journey began because you've worked in the brewing industry pretty much your whole career is that right? I actually started in Scotch whiskey. So I've worn many different hats, uh, including hard hats. I, I studied applied chemistry. And that's really the bridging gap between, you know, chemistry and chemical engineering. And it allowed me to study maths, chemistry and physics, believe it or not. Those were the things that I was most passionate about. But it was predominantly a, a little bit more of a generalist. But the real beauty of that course was that you could do an industrial placement and not being so fond of some of the placements that the university had put forward I contacted our local um, distillery and at that time it was Allied Distillers part of Allied Demec and their senior chemist was going on maternity leave so it was perfect time and that they needed someone to come in and then uh, after graduation, I worked there afterwards. I could see the senior leadership team had all brewing experience. So I, I left Scotland to work in London for 12 months thinking, I just need some brewing experience and then I'll come back. And I think if I, if I thought at that time that would be the last time I'd, I'd live and work in Scotland, I possibly wouldn't have got on the plane. Um, but that <laughs> took me down to London and brewing Budweiser in the, the Mortlake Brewery, which I believe is now possibly luxury flats. But the, the Budweiser experience uh, was amazing. 
but uh, it allowed me to, you know, really kind of understand the production process and uh, really helping to get that that beer out the door and really helps me now in terms of that level of credibility as well inside the business. But I, I decided after seeing a amazing job, uh, which was to join the Brewers Society as their technical advisor. And I still remember seeing the advert and just thinking, that's so fascinating, but I'm never going to get that, you know, I'm working in a brewery. And, you know, still to this day, so thankful for Dr. Dr. David Long to really believe in me and take me into the now trade association, the British Beer and Pub Association. And worked there five years. And that's where I really kind of got to learn about real negotiation and get an alignment between lots of different competitors with really different views of the world and how to really collaborate and get consensus. But I was getting a little bit frustrated that we weren't moving with as much speed as what I wanted. And to be order to be able to do that, I would have had to join a member company, which is why I then moved into um, the brewer SAB Miller to, to then lead uh, their license to trade, the global license to trade, to, which is predominantly more of a regulatory role there. And uh, and after having done that for quite some time, I then took a role in our European zone and leading public affairs and communications and sustainability, uh, which was which was great because that allowed me to spend five years in Switzerland. And then uh, during the combination with AB Imbav, was able to move from Switzerland to New York, um, which is what I said at the beginning you know it's real really is a dream now to be you know here in Manhattan um you know working in the role I'm in now which although I came across to lead the regulatory team I'm now head of reputation which really brings all of the different experiences that I've had you know reputation doesn't begin and end with me it's it's everybody in the company whether it's how we interact and relate with our investors with current and prospective employees with regulators and even with consumers so it's it's very much about collaborating across all of our different functions across all of our zones um but yeah being able to lead that global strategy is is great it's a long way from chemistry isn't it do you do you need to use some of those skills you had at at the start when you were working in whiskey or are they a sort of distant memory now it's funny actually it because we just launched a podcast and one of the most recent episodes I had was interviewing our our brewmaster, uh, you know, and our head chief of supply, Pete Kramer. And he was talking about how they were able to pivot during the pandemic and, you know, be able to still conduct beer tasting. And it just really took me back to the days when like I physically remember tasting beer. And even like back then when people were thinking, wow, you get to taste beer and that's part of your job. And even just talking to Pete, I was thinking, wow, I do remember that. And even still to this day, it's still the best way to ensure you have these amazing tasting products. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't typically use my chemistry degree in the traditional sense, but I think there's a lot of critical reasoning that goes into it, a lot of problem solving, a lot of, especially right now with the reputation role, really looking at the insights of the things that, we're doing and, and the, the impact that that has is, you know, really trying to make sure that you're taking that insight and having 
real visible actions as well based on that. The, the tasting is really interesting, especially someone like me who likes likes a good beer and certainly likes a, a single malt. It's a bit like a, a musician listening to music. You'll hear it in a different way because you know how it's made. Was that the same when you were when you were tasting whiskey and then tasting beer in the brewing industry? You, you, you will taste it different to most people because you know what's gone into it and how it's made and the chemical makeup and all that kind of thing. I think there is something to be said for that, especially like people do take pick up different taste profiles. That's why they have tasting panels as opposed to just one person. But I also think just having been with the brands, like I still, even though, you know, having brewed Budweiser at the beginning, when I came to work at AB Bev here in New York, it felt very much like coming home. You know, you always, those brands are, are part of you, you know, because you spend so, so long working with them, being, you know, even... I'm going to age myself massively, but I haven't worked with Budweiser at the time of the, you know, the original What's Up campaign. And, you know, the team, brand team relaunched that uh, during the pandemic as a way to sort of check in on friends. And, you know, I just remember thinking, gosh, I actually do remember Brewing Budweiser in London during the original What's Up campaign. And people would just ring me up and friends just ring me up, shouting what's up down the line. <laughs> You've aged us both because I remember it really well as well. It was a good campaign. It was genius bringing it back. Actually, the same, the same actors as well, right? Picking up the phones from each other. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, I'm really keen to, to sort of talk more about that evolution of your role. And, you know, you, you, yes, you've worked broadly in, in the industry, but you've done so many different things. You worked in comms and now you're working in reputation and those two areas in particular are really interesting to us at Freud's and, and to all the listeners of the Freudcast. You must have learned quite a few important lessons when dealing with these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I think um, one of the things that I always bear in mind is you've got to just keep learning and it doesn't matter whatever role that you're in is really staying curious. And, you know, I really have to thank you, Matt, and, you know, helping us with the the new initiative that I've launched, which is a little bit of a pet project of mine, which is the podcast and the new podcast that we've launched talking on tap has really just opened up a whole brand new channel for us that we'd never really thought about before the pandemic. And really, you know, part of the insight being that we can see people who only look at content online for say two or three minutes, but then listen to a podcast for 20 minutes. And, you know, you can really kind of, help focus in terms of not just the topics that are covered um but also those people that you you want to meet and and perhaps take a leadership position on depending on the topics but i think uh one of the things that really strikes me no matter what role i've gone into is you know really to stay curious still learn um but actually you know when we first spoke i'm trying to think how many months that would be now but you know, you remember you. One of the things you just said to me was, "Well, you've just got to want to do it." Mm. You know, and that was one of the things that I was so keen and excited about. Which is, a lot of my role is external facing, and because we're not at events, because we're not meeting people, this was a real route for us to be able to engage with either some of our partners or just some other leading organizations, and and really in interesting um leaders as well 
it, it, you've hit the nail on the head there. A lot of people do these things in our world where they think they should do it, but you can tell they maybe don't want to, so it doesn't feel authentic. I think when we were talking about recording podcasts, you have to want to do it. You have to be inquisitive, and you know, if you're not, maybe get someone else. And I think you know you've done it now, and um, and I can tell talking to you now that the appetite hasn't changed the inquisitiveness is there it's authentic and you you know you want to do it and that just comes through people will pick up on it if it's if it's not there i think it's 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 a bigger piece about building reputation isn't it people get the sense if they're if your heart's not really in it or if it's not really something you care about and clearly in in your case and in the case of ab InBev, you absolutely walk it like you talk it. You, you like to have, you like to taste the beer as well as make it and sell it. It's proven. So, well, let's just talk a bit more about that reputation piece, which is which is I know is, is, a, is a big part of of what you do. It's a it's a it's a big job to manage such a big and and uh, and well known reputation. Yeah, and I think you know while we're still talking about the podcast, I think. One of the things that really struck me coming into the role was just how many amazing things we were doing around the world. And it doesn't matter how passionate I can be about them. There's nothing like hearing from the person, whether it be the subject matter expert, whether it be the leader that's leading in that area. But actually, it's their story and it's their story to share. And so actually being able to have that channel and being able to tap into that has been really fantastic. I think, you know, from my side, you can probably tell I've got a little bit of a gift for the gab. And one of the things I've really learned in the podcast is it's, it's really not about talking and the, the best hosts are the hosts that are the really good listeners and those hosts that can really do the deep listening to kind of understand a little bit more as to what's not being told and what do the listeners also want to hear, but also in a way where it's it's in a layman's terms that everyone can understand. And and so actually it's been a real learning for me is much more on the listening side and keeping it as conversational as possible and less about what I would perhaps or how I would tell the story. So there's been a lot of learning um, from my side and, you know, perhaps a little bit of naivety at the beginning in the sense that having never done it before, but as you probably figured with a lot of my career, I do tend to throw myself into things that I haven't done in the past. Um, There's always an opportunity to learn. It's true. When people do start to do this kind of thing, they find themselves then listening as if they're at the audience as well as the interviewer. You're sort of putting yourself in the shoes of people listening in. Hope we're doing a good job so far, of course. <laughs> the other thing is the clarity of the language. You know, we talk about this all the time in, in our world. People are so prone to using jargon and falling back on those things uh, when actually just talking in a straight fashion is is the best way of getting across the message. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about the the challenges in particular of the past year and a half and the challenges that that are coming down the track in terms of the the pandemic. I know that AB InBev, because it's so big, uh, really important globally uh, and also affects so many people's lives and livelihoods, has responded in a a big way to the pandemic. Just tell us a a little bit more more about that, uh, Elaine. Yeah, we've 
done a lot of things in a lot of places. And I think really back to the beginning, the things that you probably have heard the most of is things like the hand sanitizer, which I think is was possibly expected in the sense that, you know, we have alcohol and there was right at the beginning, as you remember, you just couldn't get your hands on it. There is just such a shortage as a consumer yourself. It was really hard to try and come by. And then we were able to take that, you know, the alcohol from the non-alcohol beers and, and be able to produce this hand sanitizer. And we produced this sort of 4 million plus units across 30 markets. And then that evolved where we weren't just prepare, preparing hand sanitizer, but actually pre- providing face shields, um, face masks, um, to then actually going beyond that to then extending hospital capacity. And we did that in at least um, five markets uh, and really expanding, you know, hospital capacity. One example would be like additional 100 beds in Brazil in 30 days. So really just what the communities needed at the time they've needed it. And again, you know, still sticking with Brazil where there was a real shortage of oxygen supplies. We were able to pivot the the supply there in order to be able to produce oxygen and get the oxygen cylinders and provide the, them um, not just in Brazil, but then take that learning and apply that in India and also do the same in Uganda. So we've really had some really desperate situations in some of our markets, but being able to have a role and, and be able to really assist and help. And I remember kind of midway through, I was talking to an external stakeholder about some of the things that we were doing. And I was saying, you know, we're doing everything apart from producing a vaccine. And then within weeks, I'd heard that the Brazil team was actually working on a vaccine factory with many others in Brazil. But it, it just kind of really, that was the kind of dawning moment where it was like, yep, there really isn't anything we're willing to lean into. And of course, beyond that, when the vaccines are have been rolling out, we've had a great opportunity from a campaign standpoint, you know, given the, the billions of consumers that we can reach with actually our advertising and having the, the nudge that the consumers need, need some, in some places. So we've done some great work here in the US with the White House and in the Let's Grab a Beer initiative. Uh, we've done some great work in Colombia and leading a private sector coalition. Um, And we prepared some of that into a guidance uh, document that any private sector company can use um, and also a separate tool but similar um, for governments. And it's around social norms marketing and how you can nudge consumers. And we used, we developed that toolkit with the UNITAR, which is the training arm of the UN. So, you know, there's been lots of different angles uh, to the things that we've covered. and across many different markets, but with beer being inherently local or being part of the communities, it's been locally led and driven based on the need at that point in time. It really speaks to the strengths of, of AB and Bev and you know, its brands, Budweiser in particular. I remember it wasn't that long ago that Budweiser switched to producing clean water, right, when, when yeah. it was needed in um, you know, another difficult situation. Uh, you know, it should, there are fundamental strengths there of the business to pivot to help, right? And you can't make it up on the fly. It was already established previously, so you could do it during the pandemic. That's right. And, you know, 
you've got to remember that even right now, there's many instances where our markets aren't just dealing with the pandemic. Only just recently, when you take Belgium and the the floods there, and you know, colleagues were able to within 24 hours get clean, safe water to the affected areas. And it, it, it is a lot to be said for actually the preparedness that goes in. It's crisis preparedness. So you already are ready so that when someone or somewhere needs it, the, the team's ready. What are the plans now, Elaine? And I, I don't want to don't want to make you guess too much because it's hard to say when the pandemic is still having an effect on on the way many of us live. But I mean, what, how do you see things panning out for the business as hopefully things start to improve? Yeah, I think one of the things that, that we've learned and certainly is true is that you know, people do really like to get together. And one of the things that, you know, we learned very early on, even from the insights in China, and remember China's kind of almost been back to normal as well, as much as possible because the the testing and, and tracing that they've had there is that people really like to get back together. They've missed their sporting events. They've missed uh, meeting family and friends for a meal. So that when it's safe, that will come back and you know i'm very lucky here being based in the u.s that you know we we've been able to meet at and go out with uh with friends and get back to restaurants uh we know theaters will, will be starting back soon um but yes yeah, certainly the the pandemic has meant that you know people are still needing to get together we were able to pivot as well even during the time when people were isolated at home uh, and providing just different ways to to bring the brands, whether it be around music festivals online or even fitness um, or even cooking and recipes. There's been different ways to engage with consumers. But but we know, you know, Dan, when you when you talk to the consumers that they're desperate to actually get back face to face. Definitely. I mean, you, you hear of stories here in the UK where I am, people like because they were stuck at home, they maybe have a, you know, another drink, um, but it's not the same as doing it in a pub. And as things start to start to get better, you touched upon those campaigns before, both in in Europe, the US, and uh, and uh, Latin America as well, to get people to go back and have a drink, have an AB InBev drink, but in a pub or a bar to support those businesses as well. Yeah, and I think there's been lots of things that we've done, even sort of to help those those restaurants when when they have been closed. You know, whether it be around the uh, the the voucher schemes. I'm thinking about Stella Artois and the rally for restaurants, and or the one in the UK, the Stella Tips, and being able to sort of pro- provide some income uh, and also being able to match what consumers were providing in terms of those um, those voucher schemes. But there's also been the online platforms that we've had, like the Tienda Circa, uh, and really being able to to bring that to life and keep the keep businesses uh, uh, running, especially those retailers who, you know, people weren't going to go to um, without having some kind of way to, to do this in a, in a safe manner. And, you know, we've seen a lot of the innovations that we'd invested in many years ago, whether it be, you know, the B2B platform or the, the Z delivery. So, you know, we have Bs, which is really picked up and then the, the direct to consumer um, deliveries as well. Uh, so we've seen some of that 
a lot because of necessity. But I think once you've had that access and convenience, very few people go back. It just becomes something of the way that you would then stock up at home. Mm. Yeah, no, it, it's it's a good way of seeing it. We're not going to go back to how things were before. We're going to pick up the best bits that we've had during the past 18 months and carry those into into the new sort of way uh, of living. Yeah, one of the things we talk about is it's not about getting back to normal, but about getting back to better, you know, and we always talk about not just building back better, but even just, you know, a future that involves more cheers. Cheers to you for listening too. You can hear other fascinating discussions from the Freudcast, as well as hearing Elaine on Talking on Tap in all the usual podcast places. Also, make sure to keep up with our latest news searching Freud's on LinkedIn and at Inside Freud's on Instagram. Bye for now.